All right, we're going to be in Jude, you knew that, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10 today. Next week, um, Heather and I will not be here, our oldest son is going to be ordained in Wyoming, uh, uh, Wyoming, Oklahoma, whatever, I'll wake up here a minute, it's been a long week, and so blessed to be a part of that, and that'll be next Sunday, and so Kevin's going to be preaching, and Stephen's going to be doing the music, and then on that following Wednesday night, uh, Dan will be covering that, so appreciate that we're so layered here to not have to worry about when I need to be gone or something, so uh, that'll be next week, and so you should have a good time enjoying that, so all right, well, we're talking again, I entitled this sermon, Bad Vision, and uh, so I went for my eye exam because uh, I, I wear one contact so I can see you guys, and when I don't want to see, I just take it out, and it's just all fuzzy, and then the other eye is just uh, out there free to read or whatever, so uh, so I went for my eye exam, and, and then uh, they uh, dilated my eyes, and then I had to go somewhere afterwards, and I didn't get the cool little sunglasses. I used my regular ones and tried not to look directly at the sun, which you shouldn't anyway, okay? But um, the doctor gave me... Uh, gave me some new contacts to try and it took me basically all that day to say I'm not going to try I'm basically I, I don't need I'm telling you more than you want to know but who cares okay but <laughs> I don't need bifocals and I'm not afraid that if I did but I can read just fine without glasses but when you're wearing glasses for distance you're doing this or you're doing bifocals and all that well I guess these uh, so my eyes are dilated and then he gives me new contacts that oh you can you can read and see distance with these things and I could see distance, but everything, he's like saying there's circles on there. I guess I'm hitting the wrong circle to read anything down there. And then I'm trying to deal with some things afterwards. People are trying to set things up on my phone and do some new things, and I keep looking down there, and I can't see. I can't see what's going on there. And so that was the eye test. And we'll tell you the results because I know you're really interested in that. Um, but we're, we're talking about spiritual eye tests. That's a physical eye test. But I call this bad vision, and with Jude, we were talking about false teachers entering the church. And when false teaching enters the church, that affects the church, the people of God, and our vision can be off, and we're seeing things the way the world sees it, the way the culture sees it, the way the false teacher sees it, instead of the chart of God, His Word. Those letters don't change, people. We may squint. We may put the right thing, put our chin up there, and them adjust, they adjust it, but those letters don't change. We may change them, but the letters don't on those charts. So, you know, we're going to look at a spiritual eye test today and how we see things, because this matters when we're dealing with false teaching and things that we're encountering in the church, and how do we measure up today? We struggle to, to see the truth. We, we, struggle, we struggle to see the reality of our situation and that Christ is Lord, and that Christ has authority over us. And we can choose not to see. There's a lot of people doing that. Well, that's too hard. Don't want to go there. So I'm, gonna, I'm hearing a lot now. Everybody's in their own little bubble. Well, God, Christ seems to pop our bubbles when we look at his chart, when we deal with his truth. But we can choose, I'm not looking at that. I'm not going to see that. And, or we can choose to see Christ and to see life instead of choosing not to see, and we head towards oblivion and lead others there. 
Your action step today is we need to see the Savior. We need to see the Savior in order to have the right spiritual sight. And yes, your points spell out the word see, S-E-E, and I've got a pirate joke that I'm not going to tell it because we went to Sodar City last week and it's bad. I wasn't there when they were telling the bad jokes, but then when you have somebody telling you the bad jokes that the person on the trip is telling you the bad jokes, it's, anyway. And, but the, the, the punchline was C, but that was S-E-A. That's not your points today. Your points today are S-E-E, okay, but we need to see the Savior. So let's look at the background. Jude's dealing with false followers of Christ. Uh, they're turning God's grace into a license of sin. Remember, we talked those that have been on Wednesday nights. We go over what I'm preaching on a Wednesday night, so we go in more de- in depth. And again, you're missing out because we're really getting into it. I hope we're having a, a good time. But we talked about the Gnostics. The Gnostics said anything physical was bad, only that which is spiritual is good. So you had the boring Gnostic and you had the party Gnostic. Boring Gnostic says, I don't do anything. Everything's bad. I just got to hold my breath till I die and my soul is with God. Party Gnostic was, if it's all bad, let's push it to the limit. Let's use it. Let's, let's, let's do anything. That's what Jude was dealing with. That's what we're dealing with in our society today. And so they were turning God's grace into cheap grace. When it's costly grace, he gave his son to pay for our sins. But I'll do whatever I want. I'll run over the grace of God. You need to ask the question, have you ever received the grace of God, if that's your attitude? And they were, no, they were only using this as a license to sin, but then they, that, their actions showed that they denied Christ was the Lord of their life. You know, when we, we receive Christ, we say, I accept Him as Savior and I follow Him as Lord. Like the saving part, the following, not so much. They were doing both of this, and they were in the church. And verses 5 through 7, Jude gives us three challenges for us to stay grounded spiritually, for us to, when we kind of talked about that last week, for us to contend, for us to wrestle, that the faith is worth fighting for now. And now that connects us with what we're going to look at today, uh, verses uh, 8 through 10. And again, last week in 7, he was talking about sexual morality and just as an example of people that have gone down the wrong road and not fought for God's truth. And and now he starts in 8 for us the things we need to watch out for. Let's read this. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams to file the flesh, reject authority, and blasphemy the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that, all that they, like the unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. I hope you're starting to realize, I mean, when we go over Jude and even on Wednesday nights, there's a lot of stuff you can't just read in three verses, two verses, and say, wow, how do you get a sermon out of that? How do you get a Wednesday night out of that? you got to come back and chew this stuff because there's a lot in here. The first part of our spiritual eye test is a problem we all have. It's the sin of rebellion. It's our sin nature. See, we like to point on, well, they're this and they're doing this. That's the outward sign that they've never surrendered to God. And see, we need to understand that we're all, all sin, 
All of us have fall short. We talk about children. Nobody teaches them how to sin. They naturally, I want to hide this. I, want, I don't want to do what you want to say. That is the sin nature that we're all born into. And that is saying, I know better than God. I'm going to follow self. And so I'm rebelling against God. So the first thing is you have to realize you've got a sight problem. <laughs> Some of you that's easy. Some of you that's not. Um, I... I uh, I had sight issues when I was a kid. I had two surgeries, had good sight till I was 18. Now I deal with other things. But a lot of people don't want to realize I'm not seeing that clearly. And now what we're dealing with in our society, when people don't accept what we believe, we don't want to talk to them about it because we know what we believe. Okay, we can see clearly. We need to, what does your eye doctor do? I need to see what you can see and what you can't see. This is us coming and talking. But what we need to understand first is we have a sight problem of the sin of rebellion. Receiving Christ as Savior begins to heal that. We know that we're saved. We still struggle with sin. And Christ will continually be testing us. Can you see this in your life? Or can you see that this is wrong and where I'm right and where I can help you? So we need to all realize it's the sin of rebellion. It's our sin nature. So in verse 8, Yet in like manner, these people, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheming the glorious ones. Okay, so he say, nevertheless, you know, this is the same way. These people are, 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 like, are like the cities in the past that we talked about last week, Sodom and Gomorrah. They are rebelling against God's authority in their life. Oh, well, those cities are bad. God works on an individual basis. And just like Sodom and Gomorrah, he's talking about, likewise, these people are rebelling against God's authority in their life. And when we go our way, we're saying, God, I'm not letting you have authority in my life. And so they're, they're, uh, they're not surrendering ownership to Christ. They, and we need to watch out for these sins of, of rebellion. And uh, that means denying Christ's ownership. We talked about a long time ago, you hear the bond servant that, yes, we can't serve two masters, but you're either going to serve self or you're going to serve Christ. And when you're serving self, you're ultimately following Satan, and it's the sin of rebellion. See how that works? And then we need to understand we are sheep that he calls us, and we can't serve two masters, and by ourselves, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. They rather live out their lives uh, not seeing reality clearly than under the authority of God. Notice in verse 8, the second part, they're relying on the dreams. And that definition there is they're filthy dreamers. It doesn't mean that they're having dirty dreams, but they're dreams that aren't about the reality of seeing God's truth clearly. So anything that is not God's truth, it, 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 it's defiled. As Satan works in the counterfeit. And so... He says they're relying on their dreams and then they defile their flesh. And that word defile means die or stain or pollute. So Jude calls, Jude calls them dreamers. And they reject God's authority and they give in to the, their own dreams. And boy, we're hearing that now. It's not bad to have dreams and plans and desires. I want, I want you to understand God knows you better than you know yourself. Because there's been things in my life that, I mean, even standing here before you now, 
when I was a youth minister before, and Mitch, he was the pastor, he said, you have, he said over me, you have a pastor's heart. I didn't say it physically to Mitch, but in my spirit, I said, yeah, right. Okay? I think that in the Greek means, yeah, right. Okay? But Mitch could see that, and I see it now. I enjoy doing different forms of chaplaincy, but if you had said, are you called to be a chaplain, or do you have those gifts in being a chaplain, it's like, no, why are you talking to me about that? But I had people in my life that said, hey, why don't you try this? And then I saw, oh, God, you've given me a desire to work in those areas and to, to help people in those areas. So I want you to understand that. It's not bad to have dreams and desires, especially if they're godly desires. Notice what Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice what Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When you put God first, your desires are going to be right. But even in that, God knows you, and you may not know you like something, or you're gifted in something, and he may use other people to guide you in that. But Jude is not talking about that here. He's talking about follow your dreams, do whatever you want. Sound familiar? To the point, anything goes, license to sin, party Gnostic. You get t-shirts, don't be a party Gnostic, okay? But anyway, but so they reject God's authority. See how it is? I'm going to follow my dreams. How about you follow God's dreams? And he says, God's dreams are not boring. He knows you better than you know yourself. So if you trust him, you're going to be fulfilled. He's, going to, he's uniquely made each of us here to handle different things. And so if he knows stuff about us that we don't know, and he, he lets us know these things as we grow, you're going to be more fulfilled, and you're going to be used better than you've ever been used for the kingdom of God. But Jude calls these dreamers. They reject God's story. They give into the dream of their own choosing and their own imagination. He was dealing with that in the first century. I feel like we've completed a full circle, and that's where we're at now. Anything goes. You know, yeah, you can call yourself Skippy the Unicorn if that's your dream. You know, I mean, we're there. If you want to act like that's the way it is when reality says it's not, I can't pop your bubble. That does not go well. And so this, this is what God... This is what God told them. This is what it looks like sometimes. You know, they, these false teachers say they're basically going by their sinful desires. They were in the church. And so, you know, whether it's for money, whether it's for sex or any of these things, and, and, and you have these false teachers within the church. And it's not just the physical body of the church, but the body of Christ. You know, and then they start going away from God's truth, and they have a dream to be satisfied one way or another. You see how it works? God told me this. God said this was okay. The, guys, most of the cults have started that way that use the things of Christ. And what scares me about cults today, they're trying to blend into Christianity and none of us are noticing. And I'm not trying to be mean, but Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons. Oh, pastor, that's horrible. They're cults. They're better people. I'm, I'm sure they're way better people than I am, you know, as far as how they act and stuff. But you get Jesus wrong, it's a cult. And if you look closer, but what scares the crud out of me is the fact now, hearing their verbiage, they're trying to get everyone to see, well, we're Christianity just like anyone else. 
we follow God. Now, that's on a bigger scale, but he's talking on a lighter scale. You, you can have people within Baptist churches and leaders within churches that they give into the flesh, our culture presses on them, and they start changing God's word to fulfill their dream. If I kiss up to this person, maybe they'll give me more money. If I do this, maybe I'll have a better position. Maybe I'll get the self-worth that I never got from my family or whatever. See how that works? And so that's what he's talking about. Their, their dreams, are notice, and result is, I'm going to follow my dream, and I'm going to make it look spiritual, I'm going to make it look godly, and I result, I defile my flesh, and maybe defile the flesh of others. And that word flesh means worldly-minded, carnal, we're there. I don't have to name any churches, I'm not trying to pick on them, but it wouldn't take us long and, you know, we were talking on Wednesday night, well, what cities do you think are uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? And I tried to pick on our friends that were from L.A., but I couldn't pick on them from L.A. because we're here in Springfield, and we're dealing with the same things. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, the speed of everything. None of those things are wrong, but they have, they have sped the ideas to where we're at. And man is sinful in the Midwest as much as they are sinful, you know, on the West Coast, the East Coast, and wherever else. But you see what's happening here? We can't just say Sodom and Gomorrah is on the East Coast or the West Coast. We're right here dealing with these things. So they're false prophets. They say, I've got an extra truth. And I've tried to correct myself on this. I try not to say God spoke to me because I've not heard his, his, his verbal, audible voice, but God impresses upon me. But I want to be very clear. The only way God, God and you need, we need to go through experience of God. I preached on experience of God, I think, when I first came here five years ago. But if you haven't been through experience in God, it's a life changer. It's been around for maybe 40 years now, maybe at least 30. And it shows you how to understand God's will. God speaks through his word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through answered prayer. God speaks through his people. Problem is, I want you to understand this, God will never go against his written word. And so when I say God impressed upon me, a couple of things have happened. One, maybe two or three separate people. If you get this idea for a plan for me, I'll, I'll shut you down. Okay, but two or three separate people, not connected at all, have brought up the same thing in different ways. Well, God, are you trying to get my attention? And then through my studying of the Bible, my devotion to see how we need to have these habits regularly, God's impressing upon me. So he takes those people, he takes when I'm studying the word, and he's like, I think I'm trying to tell you something here. That is how God does it. But these false prophets are saying, I got a word from God. He told you to give me a million bucks. And if you don't, you're going to hell. I'm using it as an example. I'm not telling you that, okay? But I know half you. No, yeah. <laughs> and, and, or God said that that was Old Testament. Well, guys, I gave you, li I, that wasn't fun last week, but you cannot say where God stands on not just homosexuality, but he's clear on that, but on sin outside of his design, on gossip, on liars, on where people go and how they can be saved. But the false teacher would say, had a word from God, that's not anymore. Had a word from God that that was cultural. I'm sorry. They're, they're not reading the whole word. Because that would scare the crud out of me to tell you that. Um, 
and they take things out of context and they try to justify their sin. On Wednesday nights, we're going back and you're essentially getting a snapshot of what I try to do during the week. And the first thing you got to do is you, when you're reading that scripture, you got to see we, they've got it down on Wednesday nights. What was he talking about before that section of scripture? What was he talking about after that? We need to put it in context. But the false teacher takes, I'm not against the message, but the message should not be your regular Bible. If you want to do it for devotion reading, fine. It reads like, but they're taking excerpts. I'm just using an example. Excerpts from the message Bible, not reading the whole thing, and just applying it theologically however they want. Do you realize we could take any scripture and make it say what we wanted it to say? Or omit or add? God's pretty clear about taking from his word or adding from his word. And we've got this word through painstakingly people dying for it and the Holy Spirit inspiring them. So we don't have that. So, so they defile the flesh. Next thing, they reject authority. And so you see that? See how that works? I want to do this. This is my dream. So therefore, we're going to do what I, I want. And so the bottom line is they're rejecting Christ's authority. They're rejecting his word, their newfound freedom. They indulge in their sin, and they feed their flesh. And we need to watch out that we don't defile ourselves uh, with this rebellious, unbridled spirit. And it leads us to take... Uh, it leads us to take... Uh, to understand that they are rejecting God, not so much the, the word, but in their morality and in their actions. You get a lot of people, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Oh, yeah, I love the Bible. You go a little deeper. And how are we living that out? So they reject God. They ca- they, which he's saying there, they reject his authority. They cast it off. They cast off his lordship. They deny to take up their cross daily and to follow him. And so they reject his authority. And, and Matthew 28, 18, Christ leaves us with those words that we submit, to, that he said all authority has been given to him. He didn't say some authority. He said all authority. And so they, we need to submit to all of Christ's authority because he, shows, he showed his authority by dying, by being buried and raising from the dead. Somebody's got a lot of authority if they can raise from the dead on their own. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And, Jesus, and so he has authority. So we need to watch out that we don't defile ourselves and that we're not defiant because that defiling ourselves and then being defiant, I don't need you, leads to being disrespecting God, which means blasphemy that we speak evil of. Well, I don't speak bad of Jesus. Well, when you don't speak the truth about Jesus, I don't care how you say it, and the devil will work with syrup as much as he will salt or something sour. But when we don't accept Christ's authority, we are slandering him. We ignore his authority and the authority of God in our lives. Here's your first feeling. If we're going to have a clean, clear vision to see the truth, to see the Savior, you must surrender to the Savior. I'd almost add, and make him Lord. Because we're good about, oh, I want him to save me. But are you surrendering? We've got to take up our cross daily and follow him. 
It's a daily struggle. You see what I'm saying? A lot of you put your contacts in. A lot of you put your glasses on. What's it like when you forget those? I was, yeah, I was somewhere the other day. I didn't have my spare glasses and anything. I had to go all the way back home because I was taking a test and all this kind of stuff. And you know, But a lot, a lot of you don't go anywhere without putting your glasses, your contacts, or whatever you need on. But yet, every day, we wake up and maybe towards the end of the day, oh, I needed to surrender to the Savior so I can see clearly. Miss that one. We need to start with the first. To see the Savior, we must go get ourselves out of the way. It leads us uh, to a well-known Jewish account that we're going to see here from the Bible. Uh, well, I mean, it's not in the Bible, but it's a well-known Jewish account. And this, this, may, this is talking about Moses and his body. And yes, it's not in the Bible, it's in the book of Enoch. And no, we don't have the book of Enoch because it's not accepted in our canon. But I want you to understand also Paul and Acts is quoting some things from that day. And we know that Paul and Jude were inspired by God. So I want you to understand, even though this is not in the Bible, the Jews understood these accounts that they're bringing up. And Jude, just like I used examples today to, for you to understand God's word, Jude is using the outside source to make a point. He's talking to Jewish Christians, so they understood the book of Enoch, and they understood the fight, that the story that they know, knew over the body of Moses. You know, Moses led the people out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses had sinned. He struck the rock, did not give God the glory. and giving you the simple version. We're doing the Cliff's Notes. Okay, here we go. And so then Moses, even though he was saved, he was a humble man, guys, when we can still have loss. And Moses does not get to go into the promised land. And God buried him. What a funeral. Man, that'd be a good one. You know, I don't know how that'd work. But, you know, and you say, well, why did God bury him? Because here's what would happen. Look what Peter wanted to do when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses and some others were there. What did Peter want to do? Let's build a church right here and worship. What do you think those Israelites would have done if they knew where Moses was buried? Let's stop here. Here's the capital. And so the, the book of Enoch that Jude is going to talk about here is you've got Satan and the archangel Michael. And Satan was an archangel, but he had thought he was God. And we went over this last Wednesday night that at some time angels had free will. But after this, the, the third were cast down. Some are imprisoned. We won't get into all that. Imprisoned. Okay. But you have this account that Jude is bringing up of Satan and the archangel fighting over what to do with Moses' body. Okay, now that you're totally confused, welcome to the crowd. I just gave you, I gave you a summary, okay? So that's what Jude is talking about here. So we talked about not seeing because of sin of rebellion, but what about not seeing because of sin of arrogance? Because that is Satan's core thing, and when we think we know better, we're being arrogant. And so that's the next thing that blinds us. First of all, we blind ourselves. We get in the way. And then secondly, our pride, our arrogance, I know better, is another thing we need to guide. Look at verse 9. But when the archangel Michael, contending for, with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume, presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So we know what the word contending, they were kind of fighting, wrestling over this. They were disputing about the body of Moses. You can see in, in Deuteronomy 34, 6 kind of references that. And when he says 
talking about Michael, he didn't presume to be bold. And what that meant was, I'm not God. And I'm going to surrender my authority to God, which we talked about. And I'm going to follow what God says. You see what I'm saying, how we can get blinded here? First of all, I'm going to be the God of my life. Second of all, then we get this arrogance that I know better than God. Really? I don't. We need to start with the fact, guess what? At any age, I could be wrong. And so this is the archangel, Michael. And he's not bold enough to say, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And notice what he said. He, he, he pronounced a blasphemous judgment that Satan was speaking evil. But what Michael was saying here was, you know, I'm going to let the Lord take care of you. I don't presume to know enough. Have you arrived yet? I haven't. But you're a pastor. You study all this. You may know, not really. And some of you keep me on my toes. But the thing about it is, is I don't know. And sometimes people ask me stuff, and I've slept since then, and that's why I take my super-duper Bible and open it up and look and review. A lot of you ask hard questions. People staying with us right before she's leaving. What about this? And I'm like, am I looking at John MacArthur's notes for the easy? Okay, you know, you said I'm saying. But somehow, somewhere, we get blinded by our own pride and arrogance. Even Michael, the archangel, realized, I'm going to let God handle this. I don't know better. He knows what to do with Moses' body, and so we're going to do that. And Judas using that example. Um, and Revelation 12, 11 says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word and their testimony, for they love not their lives even under, de- even under death. We need, to, we need to understand, we need to know only God's authority and power can we overcome. And that is what... Michael was saying there, I'm not taking you on. I'm not speaking for God. We represent God, and we only speak his words, but if the archangel realizes that, where does that leave us? But these false teachers, and in our lives, I know better. I can do it in my power. I'll call God on reserve. But notice, I read Revelation, that it's by the power of the blood of the Lamb. It's the only way we succeed. Your next feeling. Uh, if, we're going to, if we're going to see the Savior, we need to see and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to see our place, and we need to see His power. Michael knew his place. Do you? Where's your place in God's economy? My place is this, is I don't deserve to be here. I'm saved by grace. I'm a child of God. I'm going with Jesus. And I, I, I was talking again. Why, oh, I know. Yeah, I had my Bible. Yeah, I, I was carrying my Bible. And so this guy, I don't know how he knew it was a pastor because I try to go undercover all the time. But anyway, I'm just messing with you. I'm trying to see if you're awake. All right. But anyway, so I'm at Academy and the greeter guy's there and I went in to do something. He goes, I need to ask you a question. He went to a different church and he was asking me one of those spiritual questions and he was going with the Assembly of God. got great Assembly of God brothers and sisters. You know, we may differ on some things, but we get Jesus right and that's what matters. You know, but he, he was talking about the Holy Spirit and how us Baptists feel about it, you know. Most of you have been pretty scared of it. Guess what? I'm, I, I, I know it's right before lunch, 
but if you're saved, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you need to learn whether you're going to listen to him. And you need to learn he's a full person of the Trinity. And you need to learn if you're going to let him empower you. And so I want you to understand, realizing when I'm weak, he is strong. And what Paul said that God is, that, you know, he talked about boasting in his weakness so that the power of God might be glorified in him. And so this is why, again, let's go back to eyesight. You know, I'm dealing with people in my life that their eyes are going and I feel bad at them. And then last week, I'm like, I can't see that. And I've always been able to see that. But my eyes are dilated and I'm wearing the freaky contacts. And it's like, I can't see that. You ever had somebody have to help you? And it kind of makes you mad. Well, I used to could do that. I can do it on my own. Well, what about spiritually? You have the Holy Spirit. And the first thing you need to do is put your hands up and surrender and say, God, I can't do this. Help. Empowered. Baptist, don't get scared. you got the Holy Spirit inside you. Let him guide you. Let him empower you. Now, this leads to another area that we don't see because of ignorance and not knowing. Now, we misunderstand the sin of ignorance. We say you're dumb. No. The sin of ignorance is I don't know or I didn't know that. And guess what? When you do know it, you're not ignorant anymore. Then you might be getting into dumb if you don't apply what you learn. I didn't call you dumb because I've been a lot of things. And thanks to our men's Bible say, I can't use the word idiot anymore. We won't get into that today. But um, sins of ignorance, <laughs> not seeing it. Um, at the heart of false teachings is, is, is this wrong kind of sight. Um, notice what verse 10 says. But those people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasonably animals, understand instinctively. I'm going to talk about us Baptists for a minute, because I already am one. Okay? We went to convention. The convention was controversial. There's a lot of churches that are leaving the convention. I felt we did the right thing. I don't feel our church needs to leave. We need to deal with the problems that we're dealing with. I was at a conference the other day. This guy was a Baptist, and he was talking about them leaving the church, and all I heard him saying were half-truths, that he didn't know the whole story, and I was in the room. I'm not the expert, but I heard the whole thing. I tried to tell him that in a nice way, but he wasn't listening, and then he called me a heretic. He didn't call me a heretic. But, 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 but this is what it's talking about here. That doesn't look right. Okay, we'll go there. Can't judge a book by its cover. Heard that one before? That's what they're doing here. They're, they're, but these people, they're slandering, they're speaking evil because they don't understand, they don't know. And we can do that as believers too. We know that there's always two sides to every story. And we know James 1.19 is a good verse to memorize. Quick to split, quick to, quick to, I had that down. <laughs> quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Getting it wrong there because I try to do the reverse too much. Two ears, one mouth. <laughs> it wasn't that funny, Dan. Okay. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying here? That's what they're doing. You ever had a, my, my, my brother, he traps animals and, and he, he, he does hides and stuff like that. And, and on some farms, he has to release the animals. And they're humane traps. He can release any of them. But it's one thing to, to skin a bobcat. It's the one, another thing to let it go in a trap. 
And he's had to do that. And I wouldn't want to do it. He left us with one of those things before when he was gone. We're going to have to watch his traps. And I thought, oh, my 22 slipped. Okay, but (laughs) my hand was shaky or whatever. But those animals, like us, what he's saying here, instinctively get back to the corner and I've got to be protected and they're not seeing clearly. Even even your, your dog or your cat or whatever, when they're hurt and you're trying to help them, they may nip at you. And so notice what he says here, but these people blaspheme, they, they speak evil of, and they don't understand, they don't know, and they are destroyed, they're corrupted, and they're like unreasoning, they're devoid of reason. They are like, Second Peter 2.12 says this, but these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Now, I want us to understand, ignorance does not mean you're dumb. It means you don't know. And so when we talk our churchy talk, remember what we've been doing in Bible study? What does it say? What does it mean? How would you say it? And what do I need to do with it? We can talk our churchy talk. We're going to have the Lord's Supper when I get back on the 18th and prepare your hearts. But you talk about this represents his blood and this represents his flesh. What does that mean? Maybe need a little bit more explanation to those that don't understand that. Or I was, I was saved, I was baptized. Saved from what? Why do you need to be saved? You see what I'm saying? We need to start thinking. And then the English language, it's out the window on what things mean now. So they respond like animals or, or like in the trap. They, you know, he's talking about that, that scripture here that they don't understand the things of God. Why do they not understand the things of God? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So you said, well, how did I get here? Because... A Christian with the Holy Spirit told you the truth and you received it. We need to understand that they're ignorant. You were ignorant. I was ignorant of these things. But then it gets in the church and we decide, well, that's too hard to really focus on that. So I'm going to go with the guy who decided to make up his own theology up because that's easier and culture won't persecute me. Wow. Wow then you need to ask the question, have you ever received Christ? Because there's only one Bible, there's only one truth. It's not my truth, it's not your truth, it's his truth. And the word of God does not pass away. So animals think, but they, but they think like animals. That's our sin nature. You know, the result is they eventually, like, like animals, are, are caught and ravaged and, and destroyed. Traps and lures. Yeah, my brother does that. He, and, he, and, he uses our family a lot to help, and, and my sons. And there's a whole process to trapping. And I'm going to say this, before you, if you're against it, if you want more turkeys and you want other wildlife, you need to kind of deal with some of the, the outbreak of those that kill those things. It's a big circle kind of thing. But when you're trapping, and the coyote is the worst, I mean, they're really smart. You've got to create a tunnel for them to go through in a sense you have to bury something that they like smelling most of it's skunk stuff so that's really fun okay you have to anchor the trap it takes a lot of time you have to cover it make it look appealing and natural like and it has to be on their path okay so we do all that to trap what do you think satan's doing what do you think he's doing within the church that looks right that's the easier way to go i get less pressure 
may not steal your salvation, but he sets you down and he makes you nothing for the kingdom of God. And then look what he's doing with the lost. I'm nicer than that Christian because they're mean and they believe that that's wrong. Still kill and destroy. If we want to avoid falling into Satan's traps because we couldn't see it, we need to guard our mouths. <laughs> don't blaspheme. Don't talk evil. Oh, my goodness, James gets into that. You know, ships have rudders and horses have bridles and you can take these big things, but the mouth, they can destroy. And we need to guard our mouths and not talk evil and, and those false things that we talk about. You know, Psalms 19, 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. In your sight, O Lord, my rock and, and redeemer. I mentioned James 1, 19, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We need to guard our mouths and be diligent not to speak evil or in ignorance. I use the example. I wasn't against the guy I was talking to about another church, but he was ignorant of all the facts, and his church made a major decision based on this much of the story. How many times do we do that? We need quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So avoiding that, that trap, we need to guard our mouths. Seeing that we guard our mouths, we start with guarding our minds. Look at Second First Corinthians two fourteen sixteen says this: the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are fallen to him. He is not able to understand them because they are they spiritually discern. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself he himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. I'd write that down. I would look at it this week, but that kind of packages what we're talking about here is the lost do not have the mind of Christ. They do not seek spiritually. You have the Holy Spirit. And so we need to try to see... The, the point is to try to see through their sinful minds instead of the sinless mind of Christ. We need to understand that. We still struggle with sin. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ, but we can choose not to see through Christ's mind. Every sin starts with a thought. That's why I've learned 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting out imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God and putting every thought into obedience. Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you murdered them. If you've lusted after someone, you've already had sex with them. Understand that if you stop your thoughts and say, is that something Jesus would want to entertain? Bring it in. If that's something that's biblical, bring it in. If it's not, you stop it, and you're going to have to put something else there, and that's why you've got to go to Philippians, and you've got to go to uh, uh, and where it says the whatsoevers. True, lovely, pure. Think on these things. Deer hunting, trout fishing, grandkids. Why? I have to have a list. I want to think on this sinful thing, and God says I shouldn't entertain it, and every sin starts with a thought, so I better, hmm, trout fishing. All right, there you go. And there's last one, see. If we're going to see the Savior, we have to endeavor to have the mind of Christ. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to have those habits. You've got to ask the question like the old bracelet, what would Jesus do? We need to guard our, our, guard our mouths, and we need to guard our minds. So I did my eye test. It's healthy, good, all that. No, I'm not going to do those those. Uh, those contacts, as I was just like, what is this? I wouldn't be able to read my sermon. You said, well, it sounds like you can anyway. But, 
Okay. <laughs> but that's my physical eyes. How about your spiritual eyes? You have a time of invitation. I've got some questions to ask you this week, you know. And uh, Julie and I are now on the same page. She's been gone. I've been whatever. And so let's look at these questions here. You got those, rolling those questions. Okay. Who or what are you surrendering to? First of all, if you don't know Christ, you're surrendering to self, and that's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to face death, hell, and eternal punishment that was designed for Satan and his angels, but you chose, you're choosing to go there. You can come during a time of invitation, receive Christ, see me afterwards, you need to do that. But I think a bunch of us, what, you need to ask the question today, where am I not surrendering to the Savior? Where am I trying to squint and see it in my own vision? Next question. Whose power are you using to see it? Don't help me. I can do it. And you miss it. You don't get it right. Holy Spirit, help me see myself. Holy Spirit, help me understand your word. Holy Spirit, empower me to do that. Next question. Whose mind are you following? I normally will go to mine. But we need to go to the mind of Christ. See how it works? Christ is our Savior. Christ is our Lord filled with the Holy Spirit, into his word, know the mind Christ. So the question I have as we stand to our feet and have a time of invitation, how's your spiritual eyesight today? What are you seeing? You may be seeing that that physical problem you're dealing with. You may be seeing that financial problem you're dealing with. You may be seeing all the things that Satan wants to see immediately in front of you, or you need to 1 Corinthians 2.2, what Paul said is this, I I have decided to know nothing but Christ Jesus and the power of his cross. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. How's your spiritual eyesight today? Are you seeing your family, your brothers, your sisters, your, your neighbors, your co-workers that God's not playing around? He's coming back any time if they don't know him. They face horrific future. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need to commit to today, see the Savior, follow the Lord. Lord, I ask that you help us to follow you in all that we do. In your name, Jesus, amen.